Welcome back to the Mr. Jones Watchers podcast. This week we talked to London-based artist Vic Lee, designer of fantastic exploits and dream maker. Keep listening to find out how coronavirus has resulted in a new project for Vic, how he started his career and which projects are his favourite to work on. Hi Vic, how are you? I'm good, thank you for having me Liv. Thank you for being here. (laughs) So how have you been finding lockdown and has it affected your work? Um, It's kind of a strange one, really. I think lockdown has become, uh, I suppose, like many people, uh, a way of life at the moment. So we've sort of, I think, got used to it. I think right at the beginning, it was difficult. Um, The first maybe two weeks, not really knowing what's going on, but I feel like we've, we've, well, for me personally and my partner, that we've kind of adapted to it and we're, we're enjoying it really weirdly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, 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 I call it a forced um, sabbatical from life mm-hmm. yeah. um, because we can, we can do all the things that we have meaning to be, uh, all the things that we're meant, we're meaning to have done, but we've never really got around to it. Uh, yeah, because you have the time to do it now. Yeah, exactly. Because we spend so much time um, working on. Well, for me personally, I spend so much time working on other people's commissions that I, I tend to forget about my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So this has been um, very healthy for me to be able to focus more on on my own work, but also spending time with myself and enjoying my own company to a degree. Mm-hmm. What type of work have you been doing? Uh, so I've always illustrated, always painted. So I, I've, um, because I don't have any work, most of my work, well, all of my work uh, was was pretty much cancelled from um, March onwards. So I have to keep myself busy. I've been doing a lot of DIY in the house, um, mm-hmm. which I've been meaning to catch up on. Uh, and also uh, my partner, Helen, um because I love doing murals, she said I could uh, tattoo uh, the downstairs toilet. So um, <laughs> I've, um, I've, yeah. So our downstairs loo is pretty much uh, head to toe, uh, full scale tattoo when you walk in. So, so that's one of the things that I've been doing. And then the other thing is um, is a thing called the Corona Diary, which which has started in February time just because I was so unsure about what was going on. Um, and I think most people, most, most people, have, but I realise men, uh, most of the ma- male friends that I've got um, have not dealt with this situation very well. And I don't know if mm-hmm. it's because women uh, um, have much more of a maternal uh, nature about them that they can look at a situation and go, okay, we'll deal with this you know it's a bit like a naughty child you know they they know what to do probably more so than men do like a problem solving yeah exactly it's like okay you've been naughty we'll deal with it and then let's move on whereas men just go okay you've been naughty and I'm not really sure what to do about it so ask your mother um Mm -hmm. and it's so I think for me especially I found this this whole situation quite difficult so I started illustrating everything down into one of my visual diaries so listing all the news stories and things that I got up to and um, looking around the world and documenting it basically and and it sort of took over it was only meant to be a personal diary just so I could I could get things down but I put it on social media just to share work like you do 
and and so many people commented it was mainly on linkedin really i put a little video up of flicking pages through the diary and i had like quarter of a million views and um, oh, wow. 12,000 likes um in the space of about i don't know a week it was ridiculous and everyone mm-hmm. a load of people just said you have to publish this because it's really important yeah so so that's what i'm doing i'm working on a book um which will be published in July and then be available in August. So this mm-hmm. is my my go-to thing. And, and I, I put a little pre-order thing up on, on a website that I built because I thought, well, I don't know how many I'm going to order. I might order 10 because that might be, you know how people sort of go, oh, we love this. Can you do this? And you do Yeah, it, but they, they don't go, actually get it. I don't really it. want it actually now. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, you bugger. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so yeah, I just I I didn't order the books, but I I've been in contact with the printer, and and I thought I'd do a pre-order page on a website, and I think I've sold in not even two weeks now. It'll be two weeks tomorrow. Um, I think I've had sold about eight hundred books. Wow, that's amazing. amazing. Which is amazing. So that's really inspired me to crack on and do this really properly, hardback bound and stuff. So this is this has taken over my life really. Yeah, that's a really positive outcome of yeah. the whole situation, though. Yeah, massively and totally, totally out of the blue as well. You know, I love that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Totally unexpected. So yeah, I'm going with it. With um, the book, is there like a theme for each page, or is it just like random, like how you feel? It's pretty. It's kind of pretty random. Um, I'm trying to do it in a uh, in a timeline, mm-hmm. but there's little bits that I'll include. Uh, so. Uh, there's really stupid stuff in here um, as well as news stories so you know Major Tom's in it or Colonel Tom I should call him now Um, he's included he's got a double page spread there's a little bit about the government and their handling of it Mm -hmm. Um, there's uh, just just stuff that we forget you know that that I I want to capture in this in this moment Mm -hmm. so for instance I spoke to someone last week and obviously this has only been going on for like eight weeks, um, eight, ten weeks. And I said, oh, do you remember when, you know, everyone went, you know, bogtastic and they were buying loads of loo rolls and it, it was just chaos in the supermarkets. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really understand why people wanted to buy toilet rolls over canned food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were more wrapped up in, in wiping their own asses than actually feeding <laughs> themselves, which was really bizarre. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's almost like, the herd mentality which is well australia are buying toilet rolls so we need to buy toilet rolls but nobody actually goes mm-hmm. we don't need toilet rolls <laughs> it's yeah. quite it's quite weird um so i've put that but then there's the other side of that is people thinking i can just order online ha 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 go and queue up in the supermarket i'm going to order online and and you're like 67 thousandths in the queue and you think mm-hmm. oh what so it's those little bits that are included that we forget, uh, yeah, which are really important because you you suddenly just go, wow, you know, I can order stuff straight away, but now I have to stay online for five days. What the hell is that mm-hmm. all about? I actually forgot what the start of lockdown was like. I feel like it's been going on for so long now. Doesn't it feel like it's been going on for months and years? Yeah. It's so less I can two remember. months. It's ridiculous. I know. When you said it was eight weeks, I was like, is it eight weeks? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I think because of the transition in weather as well, because now we're in super sunny, hot weather, 
Whereas mm-hmm. when it started, it was much colder and everyone was in big jackets and, you know, scarves and hats. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that, the, the weather dictates, you know, if you, if you said, oh, it started at the beginning of the summer and it went to the end of summer, you'd go, yeah, I understand that. I remember that. But going from a seasonal Yeah, it's like a whole year or six months. Or yeah, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, on a different note, could yes. you just... Give us a bit of a background about yourself and how you got into um, art and typography. Sure. So, um, uh, so I was a graphic designer for about fifteen years. Um, I was a bit of a late starter. I went to university when I was twenty-seven, twenty-eight. So, before then, I'd been a postman. I restored billiard tables. I I worked on a cruise ship for three years, traveling around the world. And then I went to university, studied graphic design. Um, I worked as a graphic designer for 15 years, uh, both freelance and full-time. And I worked a lot with interiors and architectural practices. Uh, So my work was very much um, aimed towards spaces, I guess, which is a a nice transition into sort of where 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 I am at the moment, doing murals and understanding wall spaces and how people interact with spaces as well. Um, I started illustrating again, maybe 10 years ago, uh, just because I needed a bit of a break from graphic design. So I picked up some pens and I illustrated my local area, which was Lordship Lane in East Dulwich. I drew the street, the businesses, and I did a little bit of a history and and that's kind of how my illustration career started, uh, doing Streets of London. And I, I did them all over London, Broadway Market, Church Street in Stoke Newington, um, Clifton Road, Northcote Road, all over London, and sold them as limited edition prints. And then things, people that were buying the prints were then commissioning, commissioning me to do uh, artworks for them. So my very first, very first commission was from the Zeta Hotel Group, uh, they asked me to draw the townhouse, which was a new building that was opening behind the Zeta Hotel in Clerkenwell. And uh, and that, that sort of kick-started everything from a professional basis. And then I moved into murals, purely by accident, and really got into heavily into typography by telling stories, because a lot of my work is based around stories. And I've always loved type from my graphic design days. Um, but I, I liked how I could maybe manipulate and adapt typography uh, so I could make it its own um, identity. I think, I think with type, we, we use typography every day. Uh, We read, we see it every, everywhere we go, we see typography and we just take it for granted. Um, But without words and type, we would be completely lost. So I maybe wanted to give type its own personality so you could actually look at it and understand it and appreciate it more which is where the decorative type came into play uh, and the hand-drawn type as well uh, and that's that's really how I how I sort of started uh, playing about with more stories with typography uh, placing and how people could read it and interact with it yeah that sort of thing After all your other jobs, why did you suddenly decide to go and study graphic design? Uh, So I got to an age, um, I think you get to just before 30, where your life suddenly just goes, oh, crap, 
mm -hmm. is this it? You know, I think you talk, if you're in, I don't know, I, I think I was single at the time and I just thought I've got to do something that's not... Um, like a proper career. Yeah, like a proper career. And I looked, <laughs> I, I, loved, I loved filmmaking when I was doing my foundation course in Leeds. And I thought, oh, filmmaking, but I thought, well, it's going to be limited to the amount of money that I can make. And I'm of an age where I want to sort of maybe settle down a bit and start thinking of the future. So that's, that's why I chose graphic design. And I loved it. I loved, I really enjoyed uh, every aspect of the design process and started introducing more illustration work into the, la the latter years of being a graphic designer, more digital work. But that maybe that kick-started my illustration passion, I think. Mm -hmm. So I'd move more, maybe I was moving a little bit away from computer and digital um, work into, into using my hands more. And, and mm -hmm. going back to using traditional crafts again. Um, so how did you end up working for Mr. Jones Watches? So Mr. Jones came about, I'm not sure how I met Crispin. I think so my my partner, Helen, uh, is she ha she's a ceramic uh, artist and she has a studio at Cockpit Arts. And Crispin's partner, Amy, also has a studio at Cockpit Arts in Holborn. I think she's Amy's moved now. Um, so they knew each other beforehand. And then I'd never met Crispin. Um, but I think Crispin might have seen my work maybe through Amy and Helen speaking, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you might have to ask Crispin about this. But I think he, he wrote to me and said, would you be interested in doing a, um, a piece for Mr. Jones? watches and I was like oh yeah that, because I was so used to doing like 14 meter murals and huge pieces of art to then rethink everything into you know a tiny little whatever 10 centimeter space was uh, felt like a real challenge to try mm -hmm. and do something that I do with so much intricacy into such a small space um, so I love it yeah I'm, I'm, I have this thing, which is if anybody asks me to do stuff, um, I always say yes, um, because and then I'll deal with the consequences afterwards mm -hmm. um, and see what happens. But yeah, yeah, that's I think the challenge was there to work with. So that's why you did it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because also, you know, Crispin's a very nice guy as well. And he said I could pretty much do whatever I wanted, which is always a good client, really. Mm hmm. How did you go about um, designing a watch, considering it's so different to the things that you normally do? I think this was the, the first one that I did, the Fantastic Exploits, was a real, uh, that was a really, really good challenge. Um, because the, we, I think because we talked about introducing the rotating second hand, uh, which was a clear disc, which would rotate on the, on the watch itself it suddenly became more than just designing a watch but it became something that had to be able to be visually stimulating because it moved like a kaleidoscope effect uh, so that again was a real challenge to try and adapt something to fit into a small space but still retain the fundamentalities of being a watch and usable at the same time mm -hmm. does the final uh, watch design of fantastic exploits look very different to the first like sketch that you came up with I don't know if it 
does actually. I think it it's probably has similarities to it, but I try not to. I think one of the things that I do is 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 to not overdo things. Yeah, I try not to overdo things. So if I if I do a design, I won't redo it, redo it, redo it. I'll basically take the design and then uh, use it and adapt it to work. Because I think that's the whole point of my work is that it's, even though it's thought out as I illustrate, I don't pre-think things too much. The For instance, the murals that I do, I always say to my clients, you know, the sketch that I show you won't look anything like the mural because I make it up. I make them up as I go. And mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what I wanted to do with the watch is to sort of keep it a little bit spontaneous because that's what time's about, spontaneity mm-hmm. as well. So trying to capture that, um, the essence of, of the here and now, and that's maybe what Fantastic Exploits is. It's capturing the here and now rather than the, de- the delay and then redoing it and then going backwards and forwards and adapting to uh, too many changes, if you like. Mm-hmm. When you get a project, do you have um, inspiration, like ideas before you start or do you literally just start? Oh, I just I just, <laughs> I just start. Um, yeah, I think a lot of my friends tell me that I must have a very strange brain because... Uh, <laughs> I don't have one set idea in mind. I mean, I might, uh, I'm doing a piece in the studio at the moment, um, which is a number eight. And I knew I wanted to do a number eight, but I didn't know what was going to go into it. So as I, as I illustrate it, I've kind of put a tiger on the bottom bit. And then I thought, oh, I want to put something at the top. But I hadn't thought about it. And I thought, oh, no, I'll, just, I'll stick a dragon up there. So mm-hmm. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just add things in. And then there might be something else that I might, see or even cycling to the studio I might see something in the road or or on a pattern or I I don't know um even a drain cover I might look at oh I think I might put a little bit of that in the piece that I'm working on so for me inspiration is is uh is everywhere but rarely inside like a museum or or a gallery I don't I don't really go to galleries too much Mm -hmm. just Um, like everyday life it's just everyday life. And I think if you look around, you could almost say that life itself is is one huge gallery, but you just have to open your mind and, and see it. You know, it's like a, summertime in England is amazing. It's beautiful. You don't have to go to a garden centre or a garden show. We have everything on our doorsteps. You just have to open your mind and say, well, OK, it's not in it's not in a paid space. It's not in an enclosed space. It's it's there, but you just have to accept that that is that it's not controlled. It's mm-hmm. uncontrolled. An uncontrolled museum space, maybe. Mm-hmm. What um, is your favourite type of project to do? Oh, that's a really good question, Liv. Um, I don't really, I don't really have any. I mean, I know it sounds really stupid. I know people sort of go, "Oh, I'll, I'd love to draw on trainers, or I'd love to do a car, or you know." Um, because my work is so varied and I have so many, I have really big clients. I have really small clients, um, but every project is so different. I mean, I give you an idea last year. I mean, I loved every project I did last year. I did really my biggest murals. Um, I think I started the year last year doing a 18 meter mural on, uh, Alan Turing at the university of Kent. 
And I love that because I read about him and I, I, it was such an honour to do because of his background. Um, and then later in the year, I worked on a, on a project for And Juliet, which is a West End musical. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing the typography for that, as well as projected maps. I did a project for Crabtree and Evelyn, which was a Christmas London piece, which again was very different to those two projects. Um, so every project, I just I just love every project that I do. I think maybe because I feel like it's it's a bit of an honour to be asked by mm-hmm. by people to participate in something for them. And I, I, I will, you know, I, I should say that of the inquiries that I get on a yearly basis, I probably would get 10% of the projects that I quote on. And that would amount to maybe eight to 12 projects a year maximum. But they are the best projects that I could want to do. Um, so that's where I can put my 110% in. So you only choose projects that you really want to do? Yeah, there's certain projects that come in and I just think, well, it's not really for me. And that's fine. People see my work and, you know, people don't, some people don't understand that. What I do mm-hmm. is, is what I do. Um, but there's also projects that I kind of look at and think, okay, that's a small company and I'd love to do something for them. I think I did something for a, a ramen noodle place last year. Um, and it was a really small project, but it was fun to do because they asked me to illustrate elements of Japan um, uh, in manga style. And for me, it's like, yeah, I'd love to do that. So it's kind mm-hmm. of, I, I try and get fun projects in with the sort of big commercial work as well. Was that a, a mural? No, it was just a small printed piece, which they used for uh, marketing pr- purposes. So mm-hmm. a really small project based, a company based in Luxembourg, um, who make uh, handmade um, ramen noodles. Mm-hmm. So instead of um, you preferring like really big projects or smaller projects, are you saying that you like prefer a mix to keep it interesting? Yeah, totally. I think that's I think that's what it's all about is being able to say yes to the big clients, um, but also yes to sort of keeping me grounded at the same time. I think that's really important from my perspective because I'm maybe from my background. Uh, there's the new businesses that, that pop up that say, "Can you help doing this?" Um, and I, and I go, look, I can understand your business. So it'd be something that I'd love to get involved with. And it's, it's quite nice for them who, but they have to appreciate what I do as well. You know, it can't be someone who just goes, oh, can you do this? I've seen some stuff you do and it'd be great. It'll be like, there has to be a, a conversation that I have with them, which, mm-hmm. which makes me feel like they appreciate what I do. And then, and then we just have a, it's just a nice relationship once you've done that. Do you find yourself working with lots, other London companies mostly no not um not really I mean last year I I had this little spate which was great of like flying to like you know um Los Angeles San Francisco Israel um France all over the place and it was like wow I'm a jet setter whoa at last you know I'm amazing (laughs) this is great I'm loving it um (laughs) I think last year I went to Bahrain and did a mural at the uh Formula One as well uh and then that was in March. And then last year I ended up, I think pretty much most of my projects were in Birmingham um, and uh, Dudley in the, uh, in the Midlands. So it was like, you random. Came, <laughs> so, you, so you go from like, you know, upper class flights to Los Angeles to um, catching the second class train to, um, to Birmingham, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
What was your project in LA? So that was for a Virgin Atlantic. Um, this was a few years ago. They contacted me and said, would you like to come and do a, a mural at our new Virgin Lounge at LAX airport? So he was like, yeah, yeah. God, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then it turned out to be one of my one of my favourite projects because they they said, you'll have to go out and do a, a recce mission first. So we'll fly you out. And I managed to get Helen on the flight as well as my partner in crime. Mm-hmm. So they, they flew us out to um, Los Angeles and they said, you have to fly upper class because you need to experience it, which we obviously didn't complain about. That is amazing. I'm Which so is jealous. amazing. <laughs> so we had three, <laughs> three days in LA, all paid for, and we basically just pounded the streets. And then I did the sketches for the mural. And then about, I think it was about two months later, they flew me back out to LA. I did the mural for a week live. And then I think it was a, two weeks after that, they then flew me back out for the opening night party. Um, so that was really, that was crazy. That was so much fun to do uh but yeah. I, I had living so the life living the life but i had so, <laughs> so much jet lag it was unbelievable it was just, yeah I, hate I, was, I was a mess honestly mm-hmm. but it was really good fun to do really good fun i'm surprised like a wall mural only takes a week yeah i i think i've got it down to a bit of a t now so uh mm-hmm. i have to be really cautious especially when i'm doing work overseas i mean even in england as well that uh, clients especially commercial clients will say well how long will it take so I have to give them a time because I can't say oh it take me a week and then it takes me 10 days especially if I'm abroad because then it's like changing all the flights the hotels mm-hmm. so I, I have to I have to look at it and just go look okay I can do this in a week or 10 days um, and then it's all booked everything's booked in and then that's it mm-hmm. so I, I when I when I start a mural I do this thing which is panic painting uh so my first day is basically crapping myself and just going right I need to bust through this now because uh I ain't got any time uh, so mm-hmm. I end up doing about 25 percent on the first day um oh and that's I, good then. and then I can slow down a bit so yeah mm-hmm. but I was gonna ask what like materials you work with do you go with like a pencil and then do you like paint over it so yeah with a mural I'll um so if there's words which they're most most definitely are most most of the time words um there's a few that aren't um but I'll always always agree the stories with the client first that's the most important thing and then I'll pencil the words in really quickly on the I'll project the words on and then I'll pencil them in turn the projector off and then then I'll just freestyle I'll just make it up as I go so nothing's ever thought about whilst I'm doing a mural um I, I know which bits I need to include and then I'll adapt the wall space to fit as I as I go. So I'm that, that's what I meant when I said earlier. So with a client, they'll see a sketch, and I'll say to them, "You know, your mural will look nothing like this. Mm-hmm, it's just um, an idea. It's just an idea to get you to sign off." Um, and I think because I've got, I mean, I've got, I have to say, I've got quite an enviable client base because I've, I've worked with pretty much all the big companies around the world, which is amazing, but also amazing to be able to say to them, look, you know, this mural isn't going to look anything like this. And for them to turn around and go, yeah, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, being an ex-graphic designer, I'm so used, to, I was so used to uh, sitting behind a computer and moving things 
you know, like two or three millimeters to the left and just making the blue slightly more blue. And, um, and now it's great to be able to just go, look, trust me, I'll do you a good job. And they go, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. And then they pay me for it. So it's amazing. Is that your favorite part of your work? Like the freedom to do what you yeah. want to do with it? Yeah, totally. I think it's, it's, it's something that I've looked for for a long time is, is no constraints. Um, but also for people to appreciate that as well. I think that's, that's one of the things that really means a lot to me is for people to appreciate what I do. I suppose where, you know, where, where no matter what age we are, we're all still children at the end of the day. And as children, we need affirmations and we need compliments and we need, people to tell us that we're doing the right thing and to support us as well and as we get older we're supposed to just go well you know you're not a child anymore but I think we all are and we all need those messages of confidences to come through so that we can continue doing things that we love to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have quite a distinctive style of work and art have you always done similar work while you've been a artist and typographer? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, a lot, somebody, a lot of people have asked, where did you, you know, where did this come from? And I will be honest, and I have no idea. I think I just <laughs> died something. And then it just became, yeah, there's, there's no bullshit. There's no, there was no pre thinking, there was no um, inspiration behind mm-hmm. anything I do. I, I think I just put pen to paper. And it just became normal. It just became mm-hmm. the, it just became who I was. So it was almost an extension of me. But I wasn't, I wasn't really, I don't think my, my work is compared to certain things, but there's no way you could say it's like anybody else's work, mm-hmm. um, which is great. With those um, sketches of London that you were talking about yes. earlier, were they, did they look similar to like how your work looks now? Yeah, yeah, very much. The, um, because they were, illustrations of buildings and businesses they were all freehand drawn so they were quite sort of quirky um not not crappily done but just almost architecturally done but with without rulers so it was all freehand uh illustrated and all the stories that I put in and the titles were all hand drawn as well so it was all hand drawn typography which is exactly what I'm doing now but I've I think I've just got rid of the buildings really mm-hmm does London inspire your work and is that like obvious in the um, murals and stuff that you do? Yes, I'd say it does actually. I think there's, because my work is, is black and white uh, predominantly, for me it has a, um, it has a tattoo-ish style to it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, almost has like a, a Dockland workers tattoo feeling to it. It's It's very antiquated it's modern but it has that romantic black and white view of things I think because I was I was born in the 60s um so I was raised sort of through 60s 70s early 80s and then um so all I used to watch was Abbott, Abbott and Costello on television we had a black and white television up to the age of like I was 23 Mm-hmm. Um, just because we were working class and we didn't have enough money to buy a colour TV. But yeah, so everything I saw was in black and white. 
up until the age of sort of 20. Um, <laughs> so it was quite, a, maybe I maybe I have a romantic view of life through those that period of time. All my photographs as a child were all black and white as well. So I think I think we have this much we have this very romantic view of of a simpler time when we look at black and white. Yeah. And because now we're just it's just colour, colour, colour is just thrown at us twenty four seven from every angle. We still love the black and white um, romantic view of life in the fact that it sort of takes away all the problems a little bit and we just go well that was a much simpler time wasn't it has anyone ever asked you to do work in color yeah I do I do get um, I do get quite a few clients saying can you do this wall in, in color or can you do this project in color if it's if it's a mural I always say to them look because your your space will have colour in whether that's through chairs or decorations or flowers or pictures or anything else. I always say that you want this mural to be, uh, it needs to blend into the environment that you're going to be in for a long time to come. So if you, you know, if you change the furniture and I do a mural that's, say all your furniture at the moment is green and then you want some green in the mural and then, you, you know, a year later you then change all the furniture to orange um it's not going to match so so i always say that if you've got a colorful environment or if you're, any environment just keep it black and white so it becomes timeless and um mm -hmm. uh yeah it, it will just blend in almost as subliminal wallpaper yeah have you always wore a watch or do you wear your own watch designs um, I don't always wear a watch, actually. I used to all the time. Um, I wear my Mr. Jones watches. I've got two of them. Um, I wear them really on special occasions, really, if I'm going out and about. Um, just because I wear a watch on my right hand. Uh, one of those rare idiots that doesn't use the left very well. So, um, so, yeah, I wear a watch on my right hand. So if I'm illustrating because I'm right-handed... I need, I don't have anything on my right hand, basically. Um, mm -hmm. So a watch would actually feel quite heavy for me when I'm, when I'm painting or illustrating. So I don't wear a watch when I'm doing that. But if I'm going out and about, then um, I wear a Mr. Jones watch. And that's the only one I've got actually now. Yeah. And I like the fact that it's self-winding as well. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't have to worry about the batteries or anything like that. It's just like you just shake it a few times and it's back on again. I love it. Which one's your favourite dream maker or fantastic exploit? I'd have to say fantastic exploits just because I think because it was the first watch I did, but also because of the detail in it and, and the kaleidoscope effect as well of the rotating. It's it's just a really nice piece to, to wear. And there's been quite a few people that will, you know, I'll be chatting to them and I'll wave my hands around and they'll go, oh, where do you get your watch from? So... And then I stop and show them. And you can quite, say you designed it. Yeah, I did. I, did, I made this. I did, this, I did a <laughs> collaboration. But they love the fact that the centrepiece rotates as well. I think that's really, yeah. it sort of blows their mind a little bit. That's all the questions I have. But is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, if, uh, if you want to mention the Corona Diary, you can do that. Um, it's just the website, coronadiary2020.com. Um, I, I think it's quite, it's going to potentially be quite an important piece of work. It has lots of aspects to it, um, good and bad. 
but I think no I think I'm no I think I'm okay great thank you for taking the time to speak to me it's all right thank you for having me Liv it's been fun I always find Vic really interesting to speak to from our conversation today I learned the importance of taking inspiration from everything around you as well as how essential it is to have some form of creative freedom as a designer you can see Vic's work over on his Instagram page at Vicly London and on his website vicly.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We have a new episode coming out every Wednesday and until then you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Mr Jones Watches.